Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. This week, we return to the listener library for a recommendation from our mysterious listener and Patreon supporter, Chris. Chris writes, I believe I found a strong candidate for the best of the worst ever. If you are interested, have a listen to Trespassers Will Be Experimented Upon from Theater 1030. As we've mentioned before, Theater 1030 is something of an enigma. Although much of the series is available online, there is virtually no information about the program's origins. We know it was a Canadian production aired on the CBC sometime in the 1960s or 70s. We know this particular episode was written by some guy named Anthony Lee Flanders, who, according to the IMDb, also wrote a 1969 TV movie called Power Trip. And that's about it. So in lieu of awkward silence, let's listen to Chris's pick for the best of the worst. Trespassers will be experimented upon from Theater 1030, first broadcast sometime in the second half of the 20th century. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. the time to tell tales of the unaccountable, of apparitions by night and phantoms in shadow. Time to tell strange stories of fantasy and the supernatural. Theater 1030 presents Trespassers will be experimented upon. A horror story told in the inimitable style of Anthony Lee Flanders. With John Scott as Nigel, Donna Miller as Vanessa, and Sandy Webster as the Wicked, Wicked Baron. Trespassers beware. This could happen to you. It's all your fault, Nigel. You suggested we drive across this blasted country just because it's your homeland. Well, I know it's very pleasant to go back and all that. Nigel, really, all across Canada. Vanessa, my love, perhaps it wasn't the wisest decision of my life. However, I've often maintained in the international press that I love my native Canada. And how would it look if I just whizzed in and out of again? Well, frankly, I don't give a damn how it looks. At least we could have avoided these tedious prairies, this flatness, this barren wasteland, where no event of nature rises up to across my jaded eye with a delightful new audio-visual experience. Just this endless, infinite flatness. And at night, oh, Nigel is positively eerie. What should be that? Vanessa, darling, 
It's here on this undulating prairie. My first scientific discovery occurred. It eventually led to my Nobel Prize, which led to my second, third, fourth, and fifth Nobel Prize. Which, of course, led me to you, Vanessa. You're the most beautiful of all women. Internationally acclaimed sex symbol. Object of desire in the eyes of a hundred million auto-manipulative men. But it's night on the prairie. And it frightens me, Nigel. Don't be frightened, my little passion flower, my petite nation. My pearl of the prairies. Oh, Nigel, you're so strong. So I, Nigel Hudstrom, winner of five Nobel Prizes for scientific endeavors, pursuits, discoveries, and whatnot. I, of all people, understand the forces of the natural and the supernatural. Oh, Nigel, hear that. Snuggle up beside me, my little love flesh. I'm truly frightened. There is nothing to fear. I, myself, used to walk alone on the prairies on nights like this. With the rising wind howling across these bleak and barren misty fields. Oh, I don't like it here, Nigel. Oh, it sounded so adventuresome. I mean, it was all so camp in Calcutta when we planned it. But now, well, Nigel, frankly speaking, I wish I was back in Calcutta. You must understand. One must listen to things like the wind. The wind has a message for those who listen. Well, then, my husband, companion, and lover, what then is the wind saying to you on this night of night? This is the night. I am to meet him. Who? The man. Pray tell what man might this be. All my life, I've been smarter, stronger, braver, quicker, cleverer, more cunning, more brilliant than all the others. True. Become a crashing bore. I can't stand it facing another day, knowing that I'll be right in everything I say and do. You see, I have been waiting for him. Nigel, my man, my husband, father of my unborn children... Yes. Tonight, I will meet my equal. How do you know this? The wind is telling me. You're never wrong. The car. What is it? Are we out of gas? No, Vanessa, my wife, progenitor of my future offspring. It is the way of things. Well, can you fix it? The engine, I mean. I don't want to fix it. Oh, Nigel, you're a scientific genius. You can fix a simple thing like an internal combustion engine. Do it. Get the hell out of here. I'm petrified. What? And caught one of the greatest challenge of my life. The opportunity to face. Face to face. To face. Tim. I'm afraid. You were right to be afraid. This is to be the toughest test of my career. Come. Let us face up. Strange, Nigel, that a storm of such magnitude should die so quickly. Very strange. That is the night of the ball prairies, my love. Storms come and go very quickly here. You see, now there is the mist. Yes, Nigel. You needn't treat me as a child. I can plainly see there is mist. What? My God. A great castle rising out of the mist. Silhouetted against the moon and the clouds. He is damnably clever. And those great birds circling about the towers, like ominous death, silhouetting over the victim. Must you be so pretentious, Vanessa? 
This is Saskatchewan. There isn't a newspaper for 500 miles, let alone a reporter, to note every word which drips from your sensuous lips. I insist that we leave this very moment. We will not leave, Vanessa. We will never go backward. We will only go forward. It is a scientific way. But to go forward means... Yes. To the castle. Vanessa, huh? down there in the water, the piranhas. Oh, yes. <laughs> My, they are so cute, Nigel. It does mean really. Strip. Mm. Yes. They strip you to the bone in 30 seconds. We must send some to Mrs. Semantically speaking, yes. Yes, that's what I mean. Uh, Don't be frightened. It's only a young woman. But that sound... It can only be one thing. I've seen it only once before. In the backlands of Peru. An evil immigrant Amazon practiced on her slaves. Split the tongue, clip it to the teeth with a platinum pin. Uh, He wants us to follow. No, we mustn't. There's no going back now. Lead on, young woman. Hmm. She seems a remarkably well-formed young woman. Yes, indeed she does. If it were not for my uh, <laughs> intimate knowledge of you, I would say the best formed woman I've ever seen. Mm. Uh, uh, uh. Oh, her face is beautiful. Yes, indeed. The only flaw I see in the woman is that her tongue, being as it is, ruins her for kissing. On the contrary. <laughs> you see, you merely unclip both parts of the tongue. I think you'll find my assistant's French kisses are twice as good as the average. So, we meet. Yes, we meet. Who are you? In good time, you shall know. Did you see? Did you see that, Nigel? Yes. He swirled his cape about himself and disappeared into it. Last time I saw that done was in Mount Miskeem. Somaliland, I think. <laughs> cunning devil. Perhaps too cunning for us. And therein lies the challenge. Uh, uh. Why, look. It's a table set for dinner. With the best of food, the best wine, the best of just about everything in Saskatchewan. <laughs> Pleasant repast. <laughs> but, of course, I expected nothing less than the ultimate. The Baron, you see, has a sense of style. I admire that in a man. Not only does he accomplish the most fantastic feats, he makes it all appear so simple. 
Yes, yes, of course, young woman. You may care to go. Uh, Nigel, how did you know what she wanted? During the meal, I began to learn something of the language. It's relatively simple. It consists of one syllable, pronounced Ariuriari. Oh. One must decipher the intention from the inflection. To a sensitive man such as myself, it's an easy matter. Yes, and she wishes to show us to our rooms. Come, Vanessa, to bed. Um, is it safe? Did you take a pill? Oh, no, no, no. I meant, oh, with the Baron and all. Of course it's safe. But even if it wasn't, do you think we have much of a choice? No. No, nothing more for the present, thank you. <laughs> These chambers are perfectly comfortable. Charming even. We shall sleep someday. You may go. Nigel, I shall never forgive you for getting us into this situation. This is a little much. Vanessa, my sweet, you must become more adaptable. Your inflexibility has caused us to quarrel on more than one occasion. You know how I loathe to quarrel with one as beautiful as yourself? Oh, Nigel, you scallywag, you. <laughs> You're such a rascal. <laughs> your approach to this entire situation should be one of interest. Is your husband really the smartest man in the world? Or is there a greater one? He, an interesting problem, don't you think? I do, anyway. Perhaps the most interesting of my life. And just who is this man? This man, as you call him, is none other than Baron von Schenk. No. Yes. The same Baron von Schenk you spoke of, low these many nights, as we lay entwined upon our homey hearth before the great fire in the great fireplace. You with your brandy. I with my friend, Mom. Indeed. The same Baron von Schenk. You knew all along. You expected this. Dare I say it? You even planned it. <laughs> you discovered my little secret. <laughs> he thinks he planned it. But that is still no consequence. It is... It matters not who planned it. Only that it happened. Mind you, it was inevitable. Neither of us could resist this confrontation. I fear this Baron von Schenk is no stranger to you. You are quite correct. The Baron and I are old, old friends. Many years ago, when I was but a youth, I would lie in my lonely bed in the attic. But that's where my bed was. In the farmhouse in which my family dwelt. There was no heat for the room, and I would huddle under the weight of the great patch quilt my aunt had made me for Christmas. And yet, no matter how I huddled, no matter how many times I folded the patch quilt over me, no matter how many pairs of long johns I'd put on, it was never warm. I would lie there shivering. The mist would ooze through the room and settle upon the bed, striking to the very marrow of my bones. The giant tree beside the house would sway in the breeze, the branches scraping the roof, which was just above my head, and the wind would speak to me. Compelling me to come, come out, out into the night, out into the chill, the mist onto the prairies. Was the hypnotic force of a majestic power. It could not be resisted. And so I would cast aside the quilt and step from my bed. 
Those are the only times the floor never creaked. Once risen, I walked to the window, threw open the shutters, climbed up to the giant tree, and down to the ground. I was not cold. In fact, though the ground had crossed on its height, and I was in my bare feet, wearing only my nightshirt. And your long johns? My long johns. I was growing warmer and warmer. I was drawn across the yard, moving slowly at first. Yes. My footprints small and steaming behind me. Yes. To the fence I'd go. And there, there at the gate, was a tall man, a huge man, a giant man. The Baron. He took my hand. You are not afraid, he said. Nor if I... I'm not afraid. Good, he said. Do you understand the wind has things to say to those who listen? We must go. There is little time for this. And then he led me by the hand. I, the willing victim. He took me to his castle in the mist. And there, there... There he taught me all the things the wind has to teach. You never told me. I never told anybody. You would have laughed at me, all of you. Nobel Prize to a crackpot. Every great contribution to science, every acknowledged advance, every discovery, I learned from the wind under the tutelage of the Baron. But why have you come back here? The Baron and I had a falling out. You see, the things that the wind told me, I saw them as useful, useful in the world. And I was of the world. The Baron is not, was not, and never will be. He wanted to keep the secrets of the wind from the world. When I left, I broke the compact between the Baron and I. He swore to exact revenge. I was the only friend he ever had. The only one who wasn't afraid of him. He trusted me. He shared his secret with me. And I... I took it to the world. What will he do? What can he do? He can do a great deal. His powers are amazing. Incredible. Yet, we have one hope. What hope can there possibly be? That I have listened more attentively than he. That I know more than he. This we must discover. And we shall. This is the last test. I must face him now. Only the defeat of the Baron will set me free and make me a man to myself. It begins tomorrow. There will be no wind tonight. I know this and more. But a wind has told me a secret. We are all rested, Dicey. Ah, good to see you, Baron. And you, young Nigel. It has been a long time. And yet, curiously, not long, not long at all. As you say, Baron. And you are, of course, none other than Vanessa Hudstrom, the most beautiful of the beautiful, as the Duchess's seductress, as it were. She is none other. May I kiss your hand? Nigel? Allow the Baron. He is above all else a gentleman. Enchanté, madame. That's right. Indeed. Baron, you're looking very well. You seem not to have changed over these many years. But you have, haven't you, young Nigel? You have grown to manhood. You've won laurels and honors in the world. I must say you wear them well. And I am honored that you have not forgotten your humble teacher. Now, perhaps not so humble. But yes, my teacher. And it has come to this. The pupil is challenging the master. It is the way of things. I had hoped it could be otherwise. 
It is a foolhardy thing you do, and you well know it. I do it nonetheless. I offer you the opportunity to change your mind. Now that you approximate me in wisdom, talent, and wit, you could be a delightful companion even more so than in your youth. Ah, that is a gracious offer, I do admit indeed, Baron. I, too, regret the loss of our former companionship. You were the only person in the world who knew more than I did. But I'm afraid we had this basic difference. My worldliness set against your isolation. A difference that wounds, indeed, the fatal flaw in our friendship. Have it as you will, young Nigel. You are the one I have allowed to retain his free will. But before we begin, let me show you the castle. I've had it redone since you were last here. Follow me. Your favorite room, the dungeon. Ah, yes, exactly as I remember it. This I kept quite the same as it was for you. Memories, eh? Ah, good time. Fondly remember it. Yes, yes. And here, the rack. (laughs) This was where you did the schoolmaster who failed you in mathematics, was it not? Yes. I had the answer right, but he said I didn't put the method down that I used to arrive at it. A conventional man. And he died, conventionally, screaming. (laughs) And here, the whipping post, and there, the swinging razor. Elementary and crude, but fun. What possible and fun, yes. Of course, you advanced so quickly, it was no time at all till you were into voodoo. Here, the first dolls you made, how crude they were. You played with dolls? Very special dolls, my love. Very special. You see, my cruel uncle, hard. Clay came down with a splitting headache, didn't he? Yes, split his head. (laughs) Of course, there are no mementos of the later things. It's all done with the mind, then. Sometimes, I often regret that. Very little left for nostalgic values. If you want a little nostalgia, I could simply project a memory on the wall. Say, perhaps the little sex pot who refused to dance with you. I thought that slightly cruel of you. But she was so outrageously cruel to me. You needn't justify it to me, Nigel. I admired all you did. You were a delightful student, so quick and so perceptive. Are you sure you won't change your mind? Restore the good old days. Take up residence here and toy with the local inhabitants. Perhaps. Topple an empire or two, fun and games, whining and wenching like the good old days, eh? Positive. Well, then, I suppose we'd better get at it. At what? You'll see. with the falcon, lest she can fly. Nigel, I can't move. Nor I. He has trapped us in the force of his superior willpower. I do not stop him. I'll try. It's no use. I can't break his force. Is he stronger than you? Yes. His will is stronger. But perhaps I'm cleverer. I have a plan. But I must wait for the proper moment to use it. I'm frightened. Where's your car? 
Yes, with good cause. <laughs> you see, you're completely in my power. I can do with you as I wish. Something simple, perhaps, turn you into frogs. Or something complicated, like hurling you into the void for an eternity. You are never needlessly cruel, Baron. You have committed the ultimate sin, Nigel. A violation of friendship. That sin alone justifies any cruelty. But, Vanessa, she's committed no sin. Better go, Baron. She hasn't harmed you. True. Nevertheless, I have need of her. She fits supremely into my plans. Yes, Vanessa Sidstrom. The most beautiful of all women I have planned for you. We must prepare everything. It will be difficult, this one. It must be done perfectly from start to finish. Come, my dotish assistant. What does he mean? Prepare. I don't know. Usually he doesn't need to prepare anything. He simply wills it to happen and it happens. It bodes no good for us, Vanessa. You mean it bodes ill? Yes, that's what it bodes. Nigel, at this time, I should like to say, you have been a good husband to me. I forgive you your trespasses. I love you with my very heart and soul. If I must die, then I wish it to be here at your side. Fear not. I shall extricate us. Perhaps we ask too much, Nigel. I mean, we have so much. I, the most beautiful, you, the most brilliant. Do we need everything to be perfect? Talk to the Baron. We'll leave him alone if he leaves us alone. Things are never quite that simple. Oh, try. I can't. Why not? Honor forbids it. By all means. Honor. At all costs. Honor. Oh, Nigel. I only want the best for us. You need only be your beautiful self. I will determine what's best for us. Yes, Nigel. As you say. Bring it in here. Well, that's fine, fine. Well, Nigel, here you see it. The machine. Can you guess what it is? Mm-hmm. Matched force fields. Incision inserters. Tubing. Bottles. The standard medical paraphernalia? Yes, I'd say a transplant device of some kind. Ah, so clever, my pupil, so clever. True. It's a transplant device, but of what kind? An unusual kind, I would say. Yes, the only one in the world. Large and complicated. Must have taken you ages to design and construct. Yes. Well, I can't keep you in suspense any longer. This device concerns you, Vanessa. Uh-huh. And you, Nigel. I thought as much. So perceptive. Uh, you taught me. You may prepare the device, assistant. Uh... Let me present the problem, and we'll see if you can decipher the solution. For years, I have suffered from an ailment which can only be described as acute loneliness. Oh. You needn't feel pity for me. I thought I had a solution with you, Nigel, and for a while it worked. But then you deserted me, and that set me to thinking. I discovered the last frontier. The one thing that has never been done. The one thing that seems virtually impossible. 
But if it could be done, it would solve my problem. Ah, I begin to suspect. I think you're going too far this time, Baron. We shall see. In any case, I have little to lose. Perhaps more than you think. Nigel, tell me, what is he planning? <laughs> there is one thing the world is lacking. An intelligent, beautiful woman. Yeah. The very thing I feared. I am going to create one, and she will be my companion, a worthy mate for myself. Vanessa, I'm going to transplant Nigel's brain into your body. That's impossible. Not at all. This device, this machine, will infuse all of Nigel's wisdom, knowledge, wit, and charm into your head. I'll make only one slight alteration. I shall program you to an absolute loyalty to me. Stop him, Nigel! I can't! <laughs> see him with another woman. One possessing more than she had. I don't understand. I do. You see, the Baron was never content. If only he could have accepted her, beautiful though dull as she was, he could have been perfectly happy. Mm. That was his fatal error. The dream of an intelligent, beautiful woman. I have never made that error. Come, Vanessa. I'm free now. I don't understand. It is not necessary for you to understand. But I, I don't understand. It's Nigel. Nigel, I, I don't understand. Nigel? Theater 1030 has presented Trespassers Will Be Experimented Upon. A light-hearted and somewhat disrespectful tale of the supernatural devised by Anthony Lee Flanders. John Scott was heard as Nigel Herdstrom. Donna Miller as Vanessa, his charming wife. With Sandy Webster as the villainous Baron von Schenk. And Peg Dixon as his tongue-tied assistant. Sound effects were by John Sliz. Technical operation, Robert Burt. Theater 1030 is a CBC Toronto presentation. This is Bill Lawrence speaking. That was trespassers will be experimented upon from theater 1030 here on the mysterious old radio listening society podcast once again i'm eric i'm tim and i'm joshua and the first thing about this that we need to point out is that i am i the keyboard player for theater 1030 because <laughs> they're about as good as i am on keyboard for old-timey organ sounds uh, it's. I was like, oh, that's that's what I do. <laughs> Just hit some keys and 
Minocord. <laughs> Maybe they just had the same stunning realization that we had, is that if, if you just hit a bunch of keys, you don't have to pay an actual pianist. <laughs> it sounds pretty good. Yeah. What you lack in music, you make up for in uh, your cut. <laughs> so here's the great relief. When you guys sent this to me, as always, these get sent. I don't know what's happening at all. I just get them in my email and I hit play. There's no buildup like this is from a listener or this is Joshua's mm-hmm. pick or here's some information you need to know about this. Nothing. Mm-hmm. And I listen to them. Then we sit down here and Joshua hands out these pieces of paper and says, here's the intro. <laughs> then I learn all sorts of things in the intro. <laughs> and then it's always interesting. Like, oh, I didn't know that. Here's the great relief to find out in the intro that Chris wrote I believe this is a strong candidate for best of the worst ever so that I don't have to feel bad for what I'm about to do because I don't know if this is like somebody's favorite thing. And I, my favorite uncle wrote this, right? And I got to come out here and go, Holy crap. That made me angry. I'm so mad at it. Second, my guess is even though that now I'm relieved that I can hate it, that you like it. Scrimshaw. (laughs) This is a guess, and I'm going to base it on this. You should see the hate in his eyes when he says that. No, I think you do. There's a lot of uh, parody and a lot of um, intentional humor in this. Yes. And you love it. Am I right or wrong? I do not love it. Ah. But you're right that this is an intentional comedy, and that's part of the reason, after listening to it, I chose to include it in the podcast because I do think it's a failure, like... Chris suggests, but I think it's a failure like none other we have listened to, in in my opinion. But generally speaking, a lot of the what was that type of stuff we listen to is something that is like a a drama that Mm -hmm. fails to meet the mark, like dark fantasy stuff, uh, Spawn of the Subhuman, for example, or some of Obler's things like Catwife or uh, The Day Sinatra Got Fat that you can't really tell what the intention is. Was it comedy was it horror was it a little of both i mean here it's immediately obvious that it's comedy and yes there are some lines in here that made me laugh not a lot of them but i found it very instructive in dark comedy like what works and what doesn't at least for me that's the other reason i thought this would be a fascinating discussion is i think all art is subjective but comedy is very different it's if you don't like a drama it seems to be something you say, like, eh, I don't really like that. Mm-hmm. But if it's a comedy you don't like, in my experience, people get angrier. Yeah. They take it more personally. It's more like, you thought that was funny? Right. What kind of monster are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's just sort of a general opening salvo of thoughts uh, to sort of contextualize why I thought this would be an interesting discussion. And yeah. I sense that perhaps Tim enjoyed this more than you and I. I have two things I want to say right off the bat. One of them is, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> That is the one joke that made me laugh. <laughs> it's just one syllable. <laughs> I have learned to gather some nuance by the things she would point at. Oh, that. Um, <laughs> and by far, my favorite line just slew me, because I, I listened to this several times. Like, what? <laughs> what is... My favorite line is, oh, don't be pretentious, Vanessa. Oh, really? <laughs> Did Vanessa say something a little outrageous? <laughs> was there a teensy bit of dialogue? It was a little outre. 
lover, companion, father of my unborn children. Did she say something a little weird? <laughs> Fixer of the bathroom faucet, shoveler of the snow. Like, I want to say this about the comedy part of this. There it's is no- It's all comedy. I know. Here's my question. It's not really an observation or an opinion. I would be have been better off had they said, okay, for tonight's 1030, little piece of comedy for y'all. And then it'd be, oh, okay, I can settle in and get in. Instead of having to figure that out and then go, okay, now I know what it is. But no one told me that. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Why can't I be told it's a comedy or an attempt at comedy up front? I know that you're the guy who always needs to be warned of everything that's about to happen. <laughs> and I, I respect that. I don't entirely understand it. But I, um, but I also think that listeners at the time might have known who this writer was. Because okay. it does open with, and it sounds like the announcer has a little bit of a grin in his voice when he says, a horror story told in the inimitable style of Anthony Lee Flanders. To me, that seems right. to suggest that Wink, wink. You know, Anthony, <laughs> he's a cut up. Right. Just right. you wait. Uh, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I'd like to get a heads up of what I'm listening to instead of trying to figure it out halfway through like, oh, OK. And the reason is for this, Joshua and Tim, you can listen as well. <laughs> oh, he's, uh, he's, Ooh, he's almost as benevolent as <laughs> Nigel. <laughs> um, here's the big thing that this episode did for me. I finally realized what it is. I really dislike parody of suspense and horror. I like comedy. Of course I like comedy and I like suspense and horror. I don't like parodies of suspense and horror. The reason is, is because there are people that try to write suspense and horror that accidentally sounds like this. In other words, this is a possible thing that could happen by someone who's earnestly (laughs) trying to write suspense and horror. So therefore it's not really comedy as much as it is. This is what suspense and horror sounds like when it's really written terribly. And it finally occurred to me when we've had a few of these in the last. But does that just mean that it's an unsuccessful comedy? As I in, think is in the jokes don't land for you. All parody of suspense and horror does not land for me. That's what I figured out. I don't like it <laughs> because it's just writing poorly. <laughs> that, well, that is my one actual complaint or critique of this piece was that it's uneven. I did really enjoy just moment by moment. I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> nope. <laughs> We're driving across Canada. Were we? <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I, I mean, I got some of the tone at the very top of this guy talking about his five Nobel Prizes and mm-hmm. she's a beauty pageant winner or, or what have you. And International sex symbol. International sex symbol. These weren't jokes that I was like, ha, 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 ha. It was absurdism almost. Yeah. But there was uneven in that there would be moments where she had dry Nick and Nora-like wit about, oh, piranhas, we should send them to our friends. And then the the culmination was him trying to explain to her that he prefers women who don't understand things. That <laughs> It was so random and so woolly that, that you know anything can happen. It's just all kind of seat of our pants fun that you can't tell, like, was this a brilliantly constructed piece of satire or did I write this when I was 11? <laughs> that is exactly the point I was just trying to make. Yeah. If you sat down with someone who was a terrible writer and said, write a suspense and horror, it ends up sounding like this. And then you say, oh, no, it's just satire. No, it's just 
terrible writing of suspense and horror. It's not really comedic. It, it would take the, the thing is I didn't so much see it as the genre inherently is that way. It's just that no, I know this was not written consistently enough to be no. And what I'm taking a step further is saying I that's how it all strikes me. And I think it's also just to be fair. I'm incredibly defensive over old-time radio because I grew up in an era, 70s and 80s, where it was nothing but non-stop parodies of old-time radio shows. It was a, a constant, aren't they goofy? Aren't they trite and stupid? And all the sketches and everything that was on, like Carson or anything, like there was this, this constant, oh, that old-time radio is so terrible. It hasn't been until recently that people have discovered there's some beautiful storytelling going on from this era. And some of it doesn't stand the test of time, as we've discussed. But I think I'm really defensive over it. So when I see parody of old-time radio or suspense and horror and all that, I get really defensive. Like, yeah, stop making fun of it. (laughs) Um, It's already dead. (laughs) and, And it also just strikes me as really easy. Just write poorly then that's supposedly funny. And it's just not to me. Like an 11-year-old wrote it. Like there's a dinosaur in the (laughs) sub-basement. There are some great jokes in here. And I, like Tim, was struck by the unevenness of it. And I even, I think less of it. I think uneven is probably too generous. There's something just that doesn't work for me in it. But intellectually, I feel like it should. It was one of those productions that I listened to and went, yes. (laughs) You know, like I recognize the comic structure of that right. line and that right. there's a setup and a punchline and it just doesn't work. And I struggled throughout to figure it out. And I think it goes back for me to uh, this idea of dark comedy because it's very dark in places, extremely dark. And that balance is really hard to get right. And I say that as someone who really enjoys dark comedy. I generally, if I get together with a group of people, I tend to like dark comedy more than the majority of people <laughs> in, in, that, in that group. Right. So it's not a critique of dark comedy as a genre, but I think it is just having that right level of absurdity that always just keeps you from entering the reality of the darkness hmm. so that, you laugh before you think about it, and then you feel guilty after. And this, you kind of did the reverse. You thought about it, which stopped me from laughing. <laughs> oh, that's awful. Ha, 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 Yeah. Because you should do the opposite, where you go, oh, that's terrible. Why am I laughing? And right. That's ultimately what I came away with here. And I think the best example is the way in which the female servant or sex slave or whatever disgusting <laughs> thing uh, she was supposed to She was be. the thing in the formal board as yeah. far as I could yeah. tell. But so they start by describing this horrific thing that was done presumably by the Baron to her, yeah. or you're left with no other uh, option to but to think that, to split her tongue, clip the two t- ends, yeah. and she doesn't talk in a funny way at that point. She talks in a pretty horrific way, gurgling. So you had an option with dark comedy to me. If you wanted to go that dark, you needed to leaven it with some absurdity there, like just have her talk with a ridiculous lisp. That that kind of gratuitous violence to her person would not actually result in merely a lisp, but then you would have had that balance. But instead, they went with, like, let's describe this horrific mistreatment of this woman, and then describe the attractiveness of her body and her face and discuss her ability to kiss... By the time a joke comes around of like her French kisses are twice as good because <laughs> I split her tongue, you're so <laughs> now let's change the topic. <laughs> exactly, you're so in the dark place. So th- it's the balance. Oh, but then the funniest joke 
I've deciphered her language. It's relatively simple. It consists of one syllable simple. pronounced. <laughs> 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 right. That made me laugh. I backed it up and listened yes. to it again. Because I was like, okay. But again, because it is absurd and it pulls a laugh out before you can think about it. <laughs> you can decide later in editing if you're going to leave this in. I did not catch that her tongue had been split and taped down and pinned, pinned down. <laughs> I didn't hear any of that. And I think it has a lot to do with maybe audio quality, because there was a lot in this that I was having a hard time hearing. Could also be my age and, mm-hmm. and all that. So I didn't catch that. Was there actually a reference to her French kissing being twice as good? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> How did I miss that? You might have just maybe forgotten was... it as a form of self-defense. <laughs> <laughs> I may have just gone... <sighs> By the time it got to the end... It may have almost been so dark that it just turned the whole ship around and came back for me. Because the plot of, I'm going to put this man's brain in her body, this guy who I stole as a boy (laughs) to take as my personal ward and raised him as my friend who left, and I'm going to put his brain into the body of a woman that I want to be with in a man woman romantic sort of way <laughs> yep so that we can talk to the wind together <laughs> well that's the other thing <laughs> yeah it eventually just like no 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 okay <laughs> that's just it's just so weird canada come on <laughs> yeah apparently the wind knows a lot of stuff yeah and, and there's another place where i felt it faltered as comedy because it starts grounded in satire yeah. uh, in the genre, and then it gets kind of mushy like that. It starts it just, to wander into like airplane-style comedy mm-hmm. of it's just gag, gag, gag. Right. Plot does not matter, which is incredibly hard to do as a consistent thing. And when it does sort of have a story to it, it thins it out. It slows down the pace to actually have a story. <laughs> Yeah, like you said, it's just gag, gag, gag right in the center of it where it made me laugh. It's around the same time of, you know, it's one syllable pronounced. But around there, there were also jokes like, you know, years ago in my youth, I would lie upon my lonely bed in the attic for that is where my bed was. You know, that it's just a good understated dumb joke. Do you mean enter? Yes, semantically speaking. (laughs) Uh, Or come, Vanessa, to bed. Is it safe? Did you take your pill? Yeah. And it, it, it... it comes fast and furious, and it becomes more, again, like... A Dean Martin. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, Naked Show. Gun, you know, Airplane, yeah. all those deadpan comedy things. And mm-hmm. for, like, about five minutes, it's really successful. And then it goes and becomes so dark. And there are no jokes. Like, when he's walking through the dungeon, having the memories of oh, all the yeah. atrocities he committed, oh, he's not a scientist. All he learned was how to torture people and murder and he won five Nobel Prizes in in what like voodoo and (laughs) yeah and then he's like oh when you can do it with your brain there's nothing to be nostalgic over (laughs) there's no trophies (laughs) where's your necklace of ears then you do realize this episode has the single greatest line ever uttered in the history of radio drama he actually says yep to the castle. <laughs> I thought that. I was like, well, this is going to cause Eric some attraction anxiety. He's just not going to know what to do. Because it literally 
gets right. to the castle. Then we get there and the drawbridge lowers and there's piranha and I'm like, okay, save yourself. Nope, you're not going to save yourself. I can't remember what the, the, like the finest of everything here in Saskatchewan that this is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the grandest manner of all of Saskatchewan. Yeah, and that's right in that middle segment. They're just like one after another, really tight jokes. But then I think you nailed it with when the plot starts to come in and it isn't sure what it's even making fun of then and it yeah, yeah, yeah. punchlines. And also, I don't sense much in the way of irony in those you know jokes about intelligent, beautiful women. It just <laughs> seemed like... Ha ha, I hate women. <laughs> right. It didn't seem embedded in tropes at that point. Um, and when the final beat is like, I don't understand. No, of course you don't. No, I don't understand. No. no. Yeah, it felt a little like some sort of misogynist wish fulfillment. At little the Benny Hill. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Although a little Yaggedy Sags would have greatly improved this episode. <laughs> I, uh... I will be honest with you that I think because I got caught up in what's going on, what's the plot, <laughs> that I think I missed a lot of things because I was like, what's happening? Where are we? Where are we going? This Why are we here? This is such an Eric trap. It is a trap. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it's not linear. Like Tim said, apparently we were traveling across Canada and I knew that because I heard the word Saskatchewan or later, but what but are we this doing? Is Where are we going? made what? in Canada, so they're not... Assuming they have to tell you that it's Canada. No, I'm just saying in general, I didn't know where we were from time to time, moment to moment, what but was like happening. like the, the plot was... No, to the castle. Wait, did you set this up? Like, yes, but he thinks he set it up. Ah. <laughs> it <laughs> reminded me a little of Battle of the Magicians. That occurred to me as well. It, yeah. I didn't understand any of it. I hated it. <laughs> but at the end, when the servant lady threw him into the force field because she loved him. That part I understood because they explained it. Yeah, and <laughs> his fatal flaw was that he refused to accept a beautiful but dull woman. Well, with a split tongue. <laughs> yeah, it just devolves into ugliness by yes. the end. And, you know, I will give something wide berth for having some sort of Cheeky, satire uh, and darkness and irony but like i said this just felt like i was looking into the dark soul of the man who was writing it in those final pages <laughs> i'm like this turned from a comedy to a manifesto very quickly yeah should we vote on this yeah. sure uh tim you can go first oh <laughs> <laughs> what tim is saying is this is terrible and it does not stand the test of time it really does not like explicitly does not stand the test of time <laughs> the things it does well i really enjoy the absurdity and the keeping me off balance beat by beat it does that really well and i enjoyed that but yeah, it's a mess. <laughs> Why do we not know anything about Theater 1030? It's not that long ago. Why is it such a mystery? Like someone is still alive that was part of this. Yeah, we have a number of Canadian listeners, including Chris. So maybe you can go to some Canadian source of information. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, eh? Find out something for us. Go to Saskatchewan, talk to the Baron, see what happens. <laughs> Get to the castle. Look it up. Get us some information. No, this so does not stand the test of time. It is not worth revisiting. I did laugh for like maybe three or four jokes right in the center of it. But yeah, it is 
a cautionary tale for someone <laughs> such as myself who does like to occasionally write a satirical bit of horror for the audio format um, that like it has to be very carefully crafted and and you have to be able to communicate yeah where the jokes are and what mm-hmm. is okay to laugh at and what isn't I mean it's not easy no and I think what was appealing about it even as Tim is describing like he didn't know what was going to happen from the next moment to the next I don't know that that was intentional <laughs> I think that was just the end result of haphazard mm-hmm. writing yeah, I, I would agree with all that. And I want to qualify what I said about uh, I don't like uh, parody of uh, suspense and horror. I like your parodies of suspense and horror a lot, mainly because of what I was talking about, because you go into it saying, everybody, a little parody for you. <laughs> like you were prepared for it. You know, right? I think so. Yeah, yes. absolutely. I mean, I, don't, I still don't know if you like, want someone to come and say, Eric, you need to sit down. I have to tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> what you're about to hear is not a drama, okay? And I'll be here with you the whole time. <laughs> and if you have any questions during it, you can just ask me, but it's going to be okay. I had a lot of questions during this one. <laughs> you have no idea how accurate that statement just was. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I want to happen. Yeah. But ironically, you love not finding out anything about the stories ahead of time. No, I, that's what makes this podcast fun, <laughs> is getting here and going, what, what just happened? What did I miss? And you get out of any sort of administrative work. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's also that. <laughs> I don't want to answer any emails because I want to be surprised for the podcast. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. I just write people back and go, I think that was uh, Arch Obler. That's what I'd write to everybody. Pretty sure that's Arch Obler. Um, no, it doesn't stand the test time. I couldn't follow it. I was lost. Just uh, not my deal. But really fascinating to discuss. So yes. thank you, Chris. <laughs> like, I followed it. It was still lost. <laughs> I will say this, though, Chris. You were hoping that it was uh, a candidate for best of the worst. And uh, nope, there are things far worse than this. <laughs> Better I, worse. I, I see it as a top 10, mm-hmm. but mm, no, there are things I hate a lot more than I hated <laughs> listening to this. <laughs> and it's our job to find them and put them on the podcast for yeah, you. All written by Scott Bishop. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Tim, tell them stuff. Please go visit ghoulishdelights.com, home of this podcast. Many of the episodes there, including some that we would dare say are best of the worst. Um, you can comment on episodes. You can comment on this episode. You can vote. Let us know what you think about it. Uh, are we nuts? Is this secretly genius? Um, you can link to our social media pages. You can also link to our Threadless store and buy some swag. Or you can go visit Patreon. Yes, go to patreon.com slash the morals. And please support this podcast uh, like Chris does. And uh, Chris has participated many times in our happy hour, um, which is a great perk. And that perk is for anybody supporting at any level. Once a month, we all jump on Zoom and hang out together and surprise, talk about old time radio. Sometimes we get talking about other things, but uh, mostly old time radio. And it's lots of fun. Just ask Chris. I will give you his personal email. No, I won't. I won't give up patrons' emails. But just trust Chris and become a patron today. If you'd like to see us performing live, we do audio theater uh, in our theater company of Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society, where we do original works. 
of audio theater and recreations of classic old-time radio shows. If you want to find out where we're performing and what we're performing, just go to ghoulishdelights.com or mysteriousoldradiolisteningsociety.com, and there you will see where we are this month and what we're performing and how you can get tickets to either see us in person or buy a virtual online ticket wherever you are in the world. And uh, please come see us do theatery things. <laughs> <laughs> Put our money where our mouth is, all of our... Big talk, uh, big about talk about radio, radio, and what's right and wrong, and see if we do it any better. Yeah, so much to do a podcast about how much we suck. <laughs> <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> what if <laughs> we found out Tim was doing a podcast? The mysterious old radio listening society, listening society. <laughs> Oh, what's coming up next? Uh, next, we have another listener request. We're going crazy with the listener requests, mainly because we're really burned out after the holidays. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so it's great to have a bunch of suggestions. Uh, we will be listening to an episode of The Shadow entitled The Blind Beggar Dies. Until then... Look out! You see, you merely unclipped both parts of the tongue. I think you'll find my assistant's French kisses are twice as good as the average. Uh... <laughs>